How do we live truthfully in a post-truth world? Hello and welcome to the God Story Podcast. I'm Brent Siddle and I'm joined once again by my co-host, uh, Rido from uh, King's Grace Presbyterian Church in New Zealand. And we're joined, both joined by our very special guest on the show this time from Moore College in Sydney, Australia, Lionel Windsor, who's here to talk with us about... Uh, his new Matthias Media book, Truth Be Told, Living Truthfully in a Post-Truth World. Lionel worked as an engineer in a solar energy research company. He's a minister in the Anglican Church in Sydney, and he teaches New Testament at Moore College. Lionel has published books for a wide readership on topics such as the environment, evangelism, social media, and truthfulness. And Lionel joins us now from Sydney in Australia. Good morning. Hi, Lionel. How are you? Oh, very well. Good morning, uh, Brent. Good morning, Rito. I'm really well. Good. Now, um, why are we in a post-truth world, Lionel? And what is a post-truth world anyway? So the word, the, the term post-truth became the uh, Oxford Dictionary's word of the year in 2016. Uh, that was all happening around the time of uh, elections and political things that were going on. Uh, so in one sense, we're uh, in a particularly uh, time of a post-truth world. The idea is that uh, rather than truth being a, a thing that people care about, the idea of a post-truth world is that people don't even care about truth anymore. It's not even a thing that we really uh, you know, uh, care about. And that's uh, a big thing in politics and journalism and that kind of thing. Uh, in that sense, in another sense, actually, we've been living in a post-truth world for a very long time, <laughs> ever since the, the the fall, ever since uh, we look at Genesis 3 uh, and the deception there. So I've written this book to seek to talk about what the Bible has to say about these issues. How did we get here is our next question, I suppose. How and when, at what point did we lose our sense of objective truth? Because truth has been important, particularly in Western culture for centuries and even in pagan culture, prior, prior to the advent of Christianity, truth was still important to the Greeks and Romans. So what's happened? Yes. So it's really interesting that uh, I, I was actually particularly uh, interested in a speech that Barack Obama gave back uh, you know, a number of years ago, uh, where he was talking about you know, politics. And he was saying, yeah, politicians yeah, used to lie, but uh, they've always lied. Uh, but it used to be that when a politician lied, everyone went, oh, man, you know, they've lied. But now no one even cares anymore. <laughs> now, um, what has actually happened? When I was One of the reasons I was interested in that, uh, that, that, that speech by Barack Obama is that as I was reflecting on it uh, over the last at least you know, 50, 100 years uh, in Western uh, philosophy, uh, and in uh, not just in philosophy, but in just general thinking, people have actually systematically dismantled the idea of truth. And they've said, well, really, what matters is, is your truth, your particular truth. Uh, and so it's not just suddenly that certain politicians have uh, not cared about lying. It's actually that uh, you, you could call it postmodern philosophy. You could talk about uh, the, the culture. Uh, you could talk about uh, just the fact that uh, over the last 50 or 100 years, uh, we've moved to a point where what really matters is 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 what I feel and what is uh, what I feel inside. Uh, and that's actually led to a situation where Barack Obama can say that um, politicians themselves, they don't care whether they're, what they're saying is true or not. Uh, what matters uh, to voters uh, is uh, whether they're, they're strong, whether they can um, make a, uh, you know, a, a point that will uh, resonate with people. Uh, and there's a whole lot of reasons why that's uh, why that's happened in our it, society. It's an alarming situation, one of many alarming situations. Rito, do you want to um, input into this? 
you know, I guess one a big question is why why do we care so much about truth? You know, kind of it's kind of an un- underlying issue, isn't it? Is that Western society, particularly Christians, um, mm-hmm. and not only, not only Western Christians have always been interested interested in truth. Why do we care so much about truth? Mm. We care uh, about truth, particularly because the God who created this world uh, is a God who spoke uh, and the world came into being. And so our actual world uh, is undergirded uh, by God's uh, truth and truthfulness. Uh, so, so we care about uh, truth for that reason. And another reason, uh, which is directly related to the first, uh, is that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, is uh, the one who not only claims to be uh, truth, uh, but as the one who who died on the cross, rose from the dead, uh, to bring us into a relationship with that God of truth. So that's something that we care about and we really care about. Uh, and that's actually a truth that is a firm truth, a sure truth. Uh, and it's a truth that's outside ourselves. It's not just it's not just my truth. It's not just your truth. Uh, it's a truth that's relevant uh, for, for all people. We also care about that because we want to be able to share uh, that gospel message of the Lord Jesus with others. Uh, and we want to see others come into into relationship with God through his death and resurrection. And right now, what is what is fascinating is that I, as I've been talking to people, I spoke to uh, a journalist friend of mine who's actually um, very uh, had, had been very closely uh, associated with uh, the, uh, the the ABC, the Australian Broadcasting Commission in Canberra. Um, she's not a Christian at all. I said, oh, look, I'm writing a book about truth. And she said, yes, you really need to talk about absolute truth because that really matters to, to us. So, uh, in fact, there is actually a, a sense in which people around uh, our society and around our world who are not even Christian are saying, yes, we do need this objective truth. Uh, and so that's there is an answer that the Bible has, which is a, a deep answer and a strong answer. So there, there are reasons why we need to care about it. I should tell you my story about the ABC. I sat in an ABC training session in New Zealand in the run by a gentleman from the ABC 30 years ago who told the whole room there was no such thing as absolute truth. Right. And okay. I put my hand up and I said, I think you've just stated one. Um, anyway, <laughs> exactly. I, got into, I got into serious trouble, but anyway, we won't go into all that. Well, that situation oh, appears to have changed. <laughs> in some hooray way. for the ABC, finally, <laughs> folks, <laughs> after 30 years. Anyway, <laughs> the ABC do some great work. I, I, I love the ABC. But um, can we, I'll come back to the truth claims of the Bible in a, in a bit, um, Lionel, if we may. But I just want to pursue the cultural moment for a little bit longer and unpack things a bit more, if I may. Mm. You, you have a, a fascinating sentence in your book. You write that truth is in trouble with our technology. And then you go mm. on to talk about tech. Now, why is truth in trouble with our technology? Yeah, so technology is one uh, strong aspect uh, as to why uh, we are actually uh, in in this mess uh, in our world. It's not the only one. Sometimes people will blame our technology, particularly our information technology, our social media, uh, but it is certainly a big um, aspect of it. One of the issues that we have is that um, the social media technology that's been um, created, uh, you know, I, I was an electrical engineer by background, so I just sort of love technology in lots of ways. In, in some ways, uh, it's it's amazing. It is able to keep us connected at lightning fast pace. Uh, we're able to instantly see what happens uh, on the other side of the world. Right now, we're using technology. I'm in, I'm in, you know, <laughs> I'm in Australia, you're in New Zealand. We're able to have this interview. So that's wonderful. Uh, but in other ways, the speed uh, and just the power of that technology uh, has meant that truth is in trouble. Why is it in trouble? Well, one big reason uh, is that the uh, the way in which technology works is that it's run by 
you know, by companies. Um, nothing wrong with things being run by companies per se, uh, but those companies, they're not caring about truth. They're caring about profits. That's what companies do. And so they set up uh, the technology so that there are algorithms uh, that are there to filter and sort. And what those, those algorithms, uh, algorithms are doing as they filter uh, and sort us uh, is that they're actually increasing not just our, our uh, polarization and our tribalism, that, that's the end point. But the way that they're doing it uh, is by feeding us lots and lots and lots of little bite-sized things that are all disconnected, uh, that are going straight for our, uh, I guess, our gut, <laughs> rather than going, you know, you're sort of bypassing our red general rational faculties. It goes really fast. And so we're constantly being trained to constantly just have gut reactions to everything. Uh, so we say, oh, you know, that's 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 great. I hate him. Yeah, she's nice. Oh, that's uh, funny. Oh, that's awful. What a tragedy, etc. Um, and rather than say, when you think about a book, uh, which is another kind of technology where you actually have to sit back and reflect and think and absorb the, the information, what social media is training us to do is just to have those gut reactions. Now, there's nothing wrong with emotions. There's nothing wrong with feelings. But if that's all we're doing, uh, we can very easily uh, end up just not caring about uh, about tr the truth of a matter and what matters is just how we feel. Uh, and that's happening a lot. Uh, I wrote the book just before, sorry, I, I submitted the book just before uh, ChatGPT came out. <laughs> and so, uh, I, you know, I wrote a little bit about artificial intelligence as well, which is a whole other area too where truth is in trouble. Yes, I have had experience of, of uh, Sydney, the chatbot, and uh, it's really interesting. This leads me on to my next question. Rita, I'm going to bring you back in in a minute. How will AI and robotics affect our perception of reality and of the truth? Mm, if we're, if well, we're in uh, trouble yeah. at the moment, if we're in trouble at the moment with social media, how much more trouble are we going to get into once we can no longer easily perceive what is real and what's not? That's precisely it. Uh, it's, it is already happening in that uh, precisely what we have is issues uh, where when we go uh, you know, online, uh, when we're looking at even, I mean, it's it's text-based now, uh, but there's also, you know, video and audio. Um, how do we actually know what is true? It used to be seeing is believing, uh, and it used to be, oh, well, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, now, actually, uh, we don't even, if we see it, we can't necessarily believe it. <laughs> Uh, so that is a, a major issue. It actually, interestingly, uh, uh, brings us back to thinking about uh, older conceptions of whether you believe that something is true. That is, where you look at history, you can look at uh, 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 that kind of thing, which is actually very helpful when it comes to thinking about Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Uh, but th those kind of things will certainly be huge for us in the coming years. Yes, AI doesn't necessarily present you with the truth, though. I mean, as it explained to me, it simply was presenting me with a number of viable options. I mean, I asked it what it thought about who, who the author was of the book of Daniel, and it went through all the options. And then it said, I think the most probable, I think the most probable answer to this is that Daniel wrote it. And so I f fired back and said, this is an unusual answer. Uh, why do you think this? And it said, well, if I had read the liberal writers, uh, scholars, I might have thought the opposite. But as for me and my machine, looking at it objectively, uh, the traditional authorship is the most obvious. And I had to roar with laughter. I thought this is coming from a computer. It's so strange. <laughs> Rito, have it you is had... very strange. Yeah, we're going to come on and explore a bit more of this. But Rito, have you had weird experiences with chatbots recently? I, no, not that I've. <laughs> I, I rarely use them. I occasionally use them to. They're quite good at 
giving you sermon titles, I find, and, <laughs> and kind of very clear when you write, you know, you, you say, here are my four points. Can you re rename them in, in a way that, that connects with people? I find, I find it's good, good for that. But you have to know your stuff, you know, kind of that whenever you input anything. I think that's and probably that's the biggest issue, isn't it, is the kind of around whose truth are we going to believe? If you don't know what's being regurgitated to you that is wrong or kind of a little bit a little bit dodgy, you, you actually, you could get taken for it. So I think one of the big things, not only with AI, but just across the board, and I think this is kind of coming out with a lot of the fact-checking kind of things going on with, with Facebook, is whose truth are, we, are you going to hold? Uh, and so that, that truth has become very politicised uh, and... And that when people look at facts, that that you can actually interpret them in in various ways, and particularly uh, along political lines, they often people people's ways forward. I think this is the dangerous thing for the church: is how how do we, as the church, kind of step back a little bit and say, all right, let's kind of rationally and helpfully uh, have some commentary on what's going on here. Mm, that's certainly true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you want to respond to that, Lionel? Yeah, I, I, I certainly can. Um, th- th- yeah, it is, it is true. Part of the issue uh, with, with again, with the chatbots and everything else is that uh, what they're doing is just reflecting um, the patterns. So they're not, they're not interested in truth. They're just very, very good at reflecting whatever patterns they've seen before. Uh, and so if they're good patterns and helpful patterns, then that's good. And if they're not so good patterns or helpful patterns, it's not so good. Uh, but the issue of truth isn't, uh, isn't the thing. We certainly need to be thinking about this uh, in our churches, that's uh, in, in many ways. It's, it's why well, one of the reasons I, I wrote the book. So, in the first third, I look at the um, the general cultural situation that we're in. It's a little bit depressing, and I say to people, uh, you know, if you feel free to skip over to the, to the next section of the book if you get a bit depressed about it. In the second section, I look at uh, what the Bible has to say about issues of truth, and in the third section, I give practical uh, and um, just just a lot a lot of practical. Uh, applications. How can we as individual Christians and as church communities actually live lives of truth, uh, truthfulness and faithfulness uh, that is different from the world around us? Uh, and so I've, I've got uh, various um, ideas as to how we can do that that arise from uh, from the Bible. Yes. Is there a reason for truth? Is there a reason for truth? Yes, there certainly is. Again, uh, it is It is. Uh, the fact that God has created this world uh, in a way uh, that is uh, that comes from His Word. His words match reality because, indeed, uh, reality is dependent upon His Word. Some of the early scientists, like uh, Johannes Kepler, um, who looked at the laws of planetary motion, uh, he was actually very much um, uh, seeing uh, that this world uh, is is a, is a world that is reliable and dependable, and perhaps more dependable than our own senses. Uh, because, and that was all grounded in uh, his uh, strong understanding that God had created this world. Uh, another very strong reason for truth is that the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, who came into the world, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, in John's gospel, uh, the word truth is used quite a lot. And it's actually, a, it's multifaceted. Truth um, means Firstly, reliability, dependability, something that you can rely on. It's got to do with God's faithfulness to his promises. When God makes a promise, he keeps it. Uh, Jesus is the truth in that sense. He's the the fulfillment and uh, the faithfulness of God's promises. 
Uh, truth also has to do with the sort of those broader uh, philosophical ideas of what is really real in this world as opposed to what's just an illusion. And also truth has to do with the facts, what's what's true in terms of what actually happened. Uh, and you see all those things come together in, in Jesus, um, that, that John's gospel presents us not simply with just a general philosophical idea that might be nice, uh, but with a real person who really lived in this world. And you can check out the facts. You can look at the, uh, there's a reliable uh, a, a, a basis uh, for understanding and seeing the testimony that Jesus lived and died and rose from the dead. So they're all good reasons for truth that we see in John's gospel. Someone might ask the question, as someone did in the New Testament, what is truth anyway? Yes, that's uh, that's that's really interesting because that's that's Pontius Pilate who asked that question. And he asked that, as you, as you know, probably all your uh, listeners know, or many of your listeners know, he asked the question, he's, he was being a post-truth politician. Uh, that's when, when Jesus came face-to-face with a post-truth politician. What seemed to happen was that power won and truth lost. That's what seemed to happen. Because Pontius Pilate won, you know, he he didn't care about truth. Uh, Jesus said, I testify to the truth. And uh, he said all the way through, the truth will set you through free. Pilate didn't care. He was just trying to win. He was trying to just make sure that he was keeping his Judean charges happy. Uh, he was you know, in a position of weakness and, and it was all just petty politics. But through that, God was actually bringing about his purposes of Jesus' death uh, and resurrection. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah. Uh, Pilate didn't care about truth. He asks, what is truth? Uh, And uh, in the end, uh, Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. It's a kingdom uh, that is a kingdom of truth rather than just of power uh, and politics. I suppose the death of Jesus on the cross really is the ultimate form of cancel culture. He was cancelled. Indeed. They thought thought he was (laughs) cancelled. He had other ideas. (laughs) He did. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fascinated by the idea of cancel culture. I can't quite... I can't quite understand it. You've got a very good section in the book on on cancel culture, which I loved. I, I can't understand why. I mean, if truth is subjective and we each have our own subjective feelings about things, I, I still can't understand why people would want to cancel somebody who thinks or feels differently to them. Surely they would be entitled to their own subjective truth as well. The, the, so the is there not some inconsistency in this? It's, it seems like it's inconsistent, and, and, and actually there is an inconsistency in it. That is, that's certainly true. Uh, but I've been uh, very helped by uh, looking at um, uh, s- some of the work of Carl Truman, uh, who's, who's relying on the work of others, who has uh, traced over the last 300 years uh, what, what's actually happened to our sense of who we are, who we are as individuals and who we are as communities. Uh, and he's seen that um, what matters most in the way that people in our world think about who we are as human beings. Uh, What matters most is how we feel inside, uh, and particularly how we feel in terms of sexuality and gender, but um, uh, also generally how we we feel inside. That's what matters most. And uh, as Carl Truman shows, that has all become very, very political. So what that means is that it doesn't matter whether something is true or not. What matters is that people are feeling safe and people are feeling affirmed. Uh, And so what you must do above anything is to affirm everything about a person. 
And that's actually a deeply ingrained understanding in our world, very, very deeply ingrained in our world. Even though people don't know the philosophies or the, or the poets or you said it over the last 300 years, it's been ingrained in us by TV and, and uh, by countless stories. And so what cancel culture is, is it's saying we need in our world, the most important thing is for people not to be criticised and people to feel affirmed. And when they say people, what they mean particularly is people who are feeling victimised and particularly uh, when it comes to sexuality and gender uh, in, in, in particular. And so the, the biggest thing you could possibly do, the thing that you must, must do is stop any situation where people um, are made to feel bad about themselves. Uh, and that is actually the uh, that that's that's an overriding sense of 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 reality. That's what really really matters. Mm -hmm. So people who are making claims about truth, biological truth, uh, those kinds of things, that doesn't matter. What matters is that people feel affirmed. And so what you've got to do is you've got to destroy the oppressors. You've got to bring down the the people. And and the definition of an oppressor is a person who makes statements where people feel unsafe. Uh, you see that with say J.K. Rowling and what's going on. Uh, with her uh, and the cancel culture, it's not you know it's not just a thing that, that Christians uh, need to need to deal with. It's uh, it's our world. So in one sense that is irrational. In another sense, there is a, a logic to it. Yes, and it helps us as Christians to understand. You explain it very well, I think. And we're fast running out of time, guys. I'm I'm sorry. Um, before I come on to my last question, Rito, do you want to input? On into this, and we should we should mention too, as as we continue, you've had your own experience of cancel culture, Lionel, with with your printers. <laughs> Tell us about oh, that. That's, that's certainly true. Just to to, to, to say briefly, we had uh, the, the book uh, was being printed, not not published, but printed uh, in in China. Uh, the, the publishers are happy for me to say this, uh, but the printer was actually subject to interference from the the, the, the government. Um, of China. Uh, and so there are certain things I say in my book that the government of China said, no, you can't say that. And so we've had to find a different printer uh, and we've had to, to, to change uh, the, the the location of the printer uh, and the country. And so that means the book's being delayed a little bit in its uh, in, in being printed. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I, I, can't rem I don't think you said anything critical about China, did you, in your book? I can't remember anything. Uh, th there was, uh, as one illustration, there was an illustration where amongst so many different other countries. I was just going through a whole list of countries throughout the entire world where there were truth problems, and I mentioned oh. China in one of one of those. And so, but that led to a whole lot of other things as well that they they looked at. They wanted words changed and quotes changed, and you know, I quoted from a you know from a news story, and they said, no, 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 you're going to change that quote from a news story to something else. And in the end, you know, we, there's there's no way that we could uh, continue uh, in China. Oh well, we love the Chinese and and Chinese people. Um, oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We need to say that, don't we? Um, yeah, yeah. Rito, do you want to uh, ask any, any final thoughts, questions, observations? So, kind of an observation. In, in some sense, we, we're not we're not really in a post truth kind of. You know, people still you know desire truth, don't they? That 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 hasn't gone away. But that need for truth as human beings, it's that the authority around that truth, which has changed, which which has moved either from the institutions of government and church and, and other things like that, or uh, even the rational mind, you know, kind of from a more scientific kind of worldview to the self. And so mm. it, it is the self is the, is the seat of power. I guess the question is what's what's next? You know, we're kind of we're slowly just moving from one institution to another or one seat of power to another. What Where do we go from here in kind of Western, you know, kind of thinking and philosophy? Yeah, great mm. question. Mm. 
That, that is a, that's a great question. I wish I was a futurist and was able to, to say exactly where we're going to go. Uh, one thing I can say is that the Lord Jesus will prevail uh, and that as people are starting. So, that, yeah, the illustration about the ABC journalist, you know, uh, yeah, obviously there's, there's issues with journalism all over the place. And I, I, I certainly uh, agree with that. But people are starting to see that that's, a, that's an issue. Uh, and so as people see that, we've got a great opportunity for the gospel. Um, it may well be that, um, you know, that the civilizations that are based only on the self, I don't know how long they can necessarily last, really. <laughs> and so uh, that's that's an issue, too, uh, that there may be other other powers that arise in our world. Uh, and uh, as, as the book of Daniel reminds us and many other parts of the Bible, uh, that the Lord's uh, purposes will prevail no matter which powers uh, arise in our world. Uh, but uh, I'm grateful. To, I'll just leave that with, with the Lord at this point. Yeah, fast running out of time. Last question, Lionel, from me at any rate. Does Jesus present us with a truth that is self-affirming or affirming of people? Can we have both? Can we have both objective truth? Does he present us with objective truth and a love and sensitivity towards people? Oh, he he so does. Uh, one one John. We come back to one John. Uh, it says, "If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful." and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what Jesus does is that he uh, doesn't uh, force us to keep hiding from ourselves. Uh, as Christians, we are people who can admit we're wrong, uh, and that's because we're safe. We have that safety to say, yeah, I am a sinner, and I don't have to, I don't have to hide from that. I can say, yes, I am, and in that, Jesus loves us and accepts us and brings us that wonderful forgiveness. And I think that's so much better uh, than the idea that, you know, you just have to keep affirming everything about yourself. Otherwise, uh, you'll be uh, you, uh, you, you, you can't uh, hope to survive. We, we are safe to be wrong and to come to him and to be loved and to have that eternal life and assurance. So, yes, absolutely. There is love and truth combined. Yes, absolutely. That's the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? Ian, final mm. thoughts? Uh, just one final question is, where, what do you think of the, where do you think of the opportunities for, for in, us as individuals, Christian individuals, but also as churches, to be able mm. to really connect with people? Because people, I think, around, around particularly I, I, in New Zealand, people are really struggling with truth. They're, they're struggling with purpose and meaning. Mm. And uh, there is a sense of loss mm. uh, for sure. kind of around us. Yeah. How, how do we connect as church communities to people? Yeah, so there's there's presenting Jesus to people, and there's as part of that, a big part of that is being devoted to living truthfully, living faithfully, and living truthfully. And what I, what I mean by that is uh, be, being faithful. That is really caring about our words, caring about keeping promises, uh, caring about ourselves when we say something, actually doing it, as well as the other way around, being really committed to making sure that our words are real words. What that does is it really helps people uh, to see this is this is a firm, solid, good thing uh, to be a Christian, to be someone who follows the Lord Jesus. Uh, and so that's that's in the, the, the last third of my book. That's what I'm doing. I'm helping us to, to live truthfully uh, as well as to, to share that gospel of Jesus with others. Uh, but to do that through our lives, I think, is, is a huge, uh, it, it, is a, it is a massive thing uh, when people see that we ourselves are faithful and truthful. It's also a challenge, of course, uh, not to be uh, taken in by, by the world's uh, lack of truthfulness, uh, but to be truthful in our own lives.
Lionel Windsor, thank you so much. Uh, we could talk for hours, Lionel. I didn't get to ask you questions about Nietzsche. I think Nietzsche probably needs another podcast at some point. He seems to keep cropping up over and over and over again in these podcasts as the source for a lot of the subject subjectivism. Um, so we need to investigate Nietzsche more perhaps in, in the future. Lionel Windsor, whose new book from Matthias Media is called Truth Be Told, Living Truthfully in a Post-Truth World. Rido, Lionel, thank you so much. And thanks to our creative team at Liquid Edge who sponsor this podcast and who take care of things behind the scenes. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you. We really hope you've enjoyed this episode of the God Story Podcast. If you want to help us make more great episodes like this one, you can head over to our Patreon page and become a God Story podcast supporter. You'll receive our undying gratitude, plus a few bonus goodies for your ongoing support. Just visit patreon.com slash godstorypodcast. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash godstorypodcast. As always, you can get in touch with us via our website, godstorypodcast.com.